Hi, welcome to the Tell Me What You're Proud Of podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Maggie Perry. I'm a licensed psychologist with a doctorate degree in clinical psychology. I'm also the founder of the online group therapy platform, Huddle.Care. I love helping people overcome anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, mood disorders, and stress. Please join us each week as we share real sessions with actual clients that reveal helpful techniques for effectively dealing with anxiety, OCD, mood disorders, and stress. We'll discuss what effective therapy looks like, sounds like, and feels like. We'll follow our guests as they overcome their biggest fears and find that despite their biological vulnerabilities, they can still live a rich, full, and meaningful life. My therapeutic approach is strengths-based and seeks to find and reinforce what clients do well to help them generalize those skills towards areas where they're stuck. My model for psychotherapy can be summed up as this. You tell me what you're proud of, and I'll help you become effective and happy across all areas of your life. Thanks for listening, and let's get the show started. Hi, this is Dr. Maggie Perry with Tell Me What You're Proud Of. I'm here with the second session with Danielle. In our last session, we talked about her history with her um, OCD and her different forms of um, treatment experience. And so today we'll talk more about where she is in her OCD treatment journey. Um, Danielle, thanks so much for being here again. Thanks for having me again. Okay, so can you tell me what has happened in the last since we last met? Yeah, not not a whole lot since it's only been a week, but um, I started um, the very, very small beginnings of setting up a, an exposure challenge for myself. Um, and I'm scared. I was scared to do it. I'm procrastinating. I'll admit that. Uh, but also ran into oh, kind of a wall. I, I feel stuck because I, you know, as we discussed last time, I, I've tried what I thought were the right exposures. Um, I don't know what the right... Can you, um, yeah, say again what you thought were the right exposures that you've done so far? Yeah. So for example, I, I ate some food that I have been avoiding for years because like raw fish, I ate raw fish thinking, oh, this is a, there's a possibility that this will make me sick. And I ate that as an exposure. I went to a restaurant where I saw somebody have food poisoning, or maybe they were just really drunk. And I've avoided that restaurant <laughs> for decades. I went there at eight and didn't wash my hands, you know, touched the table, didn't wash my hands. Um, like I mentioned, I went on the roller coaster. That was the only exposure that I actually did that I didn't, didn't that I wasn't fine during, that I wasn't okay afterwards. Um, what else? Watched videos of people throwing up, and yeah. So, so like I, I've already had like a time in my life where I came up with a bunch of ideas of how I could expose myself to vomit, and now I'm not sure exactly. And what happened when you did those exposures? What did you learn? Well, I, I guess, in a tiny way. Um, in a tiny way in the beginning, they started working. For example, when I, I went to a friend's house and this has happened before lots of, lots of times, um, they cook meat to a certain, you know, red meat to a certain pinkness that I don't like. Um, that's happened to me lots in my life. And in the past I would not eat it, um, or ask them to cook mine more. And then also like kind of beg my husband not to eat the pink meat. And he would say, no, this tastes good. And so then I would just worry. 
um, or try to try to prevent it, right? Try to prevent it in, in one of those three ways. And so I remember one of my very first exposures was going there and saying, no, cook mine just, and, and my friends were surprised. They were like, are you sure you don't want me to burn your steak? And I was like, no, cook it just how you would for yourself and I will eat it. So I had some ground rules. I wasn't going to talk about it and reassure myself. I was just going to eat the pink meat, let my husband eat the pink meat and not talk about it afterwards about whether everybody agreed that we would all be all right. Uh, and it was totally fine. I didn't have, I didn't have, uh, I didn't ruminate about it afterwards. I didn't worry. Uh, it just, I, I think what I realized was I wasn't that worried. Like I, I think what I realized was that it, it wasn't a big risk actually. And, and maybe before I didn't want to take any risk at all. And then once I ate, ate the meat, I, I realized that I thought this isn't a big risk. Um, so that was freeing, I guess that was freeing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just wish that I had maybe a little bit more of, of those baby steps and maybe talked it out more after that because I didn't I didn't continue in that healthy exposure way um where did it yeah. go from there because it went from there to you know I would just I ate, you know ate at a restaurant and I was totally fine with that and ate some sushi I was totally fine with that and then watch watching the videos was actually okay like I first I think maybe a long time ago I didn't like to watch people throw up I would close my eyes during tv and movies but at the time where I sought out an exposure therapist, I was actually okay watching it on TV. And I had seen my son do it. I had seen my um, doggy do it. And I had seen plenty of horror movies. So at that time, I think that that didn't, that didn't arouse me at all. And so it wasn't, it wasn't helpful. And then I went on the roller coaster and that was, I just kind of like definitely felt ill and screamed bloody murder so that I wouldn't throw up enough afterwards. Like I mentioned to you last time, I realized that I didn't successfully do that exposure and I did not feel good about myself because I, all I thought when I got off was if I had really, really let go um, of all control, I probably would have thrown up into the air and onto all the people in front of me. Um, but I, prevented it by screaming and, and bracing and holding it in. And, and um, so I didn't feel proud afterwards. Yeah. Do you think you would have felt proud if you would have thrown up on everyone? I, I don't know. I, I think I would have felt horrid. I think I would have felt like sad and, and like embarrassed and yeah, it would have been kind of traumatizing to be honest. Yeah, it, I I hear what you're saying. I think that makes a lot of sense. But in light of this really persistent fear that you, your husband, or your child is going to get sick, and it's it being something that bothers you every day, like what do you what do you make of that fear in light of the work that you've done so far? Um, hmm. Well, part of I mean. A small part of it, me, knows that if I just went and stuck my finger down my throat and went to the bathroom and threw up, that I that, that would be a major hurdle. That I would be like, I, I've done it. I, I could do it. That wasn't as 
that was just over. That was what. And then my fear would persist for other for other areas of my life. I would still worry that my son was gonna get sick every day, or that I wouldn't make the right decisions when he is sick, and that um, things could get out of control and somebody might die because I didn't make the right decisions, or all that kind of thing. All of the uncertainty about the future. It, when you stick your finger down your throat, which I don't want to do still, I don't feel like doing it. Um, but when you do that, you are in control. And what I'm afraid of is not being in control. Yeah. Can you tell me more about the fear of making the wrong decisions when he's sick and then the possibility that he might die? Yeah. I, I logically, like if I talk it out, um, it, it doesn't seem to make sense. But what I feel, the fear that I feel is that, like I said about my 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 small dog and how pukely she is, um, how much vomiting is enough? What, at what point, and I literally had this experience like a couple weeks into owning her, um, she, she threw up so much and she was only like five pounds and it was 11 30 p.m on a Saturday so I was I was really distressed about making the right decision about whether she was going to die or not whether I should take her and spend a very lot a lot of money to to the to a midnight bed um possibly thousands of dollars I had no idea what was wrong I didn't know what what had caused the sickness and I didn't know how long it would last and I didn't know what the right decision to make was should I just see how things play out will i will i lose the opportunity will have in seeing how things play out will i miss an opportunity to like go fix her or heal her that all that was racing through my head that's and i definitely see the correlation between what i went through when my mom was sick when i was young and and the thought and those thoughts like that makes a lot of sense because when i was young that that was real those those worries were were legitimate i i did need to to call the paramedics to save my mom's life like um over the course of many years so i, I get that but how do, you, how do you feel as you say that um i kind of it's funny because i'm more anxious now than i was then i um, i think that's what i'm kind of laughing at um i, I mean well, I, that's what, not really true but <laughs> what would you do then to manage the anxiety and the uncertainty that you had about it when i was younger yeah. So sometimes you actually problem solve by calling the paramedics, but yeah. at other times you must have just been sitting in uncertainty. What did Absolutely. What did uh, I just it? felt a lot of fear. Um, I didn't do anything. No one, no one kind of, you know, was there to tell me that I should see a therapist or talk about it or anything like that. Um, I just remember having a lot of, um, you know, the pit of your stomach. Um, you know, nauseating fear, kind of clammy, probably panicky feelings all the time. Um, dread, a lot of dread about, you know, is today going to be okay? Is 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 my mom going to be okay when I get home from school today? That kind of thing. And then there were a lot of times where I just wanted to just hide in my room, just not go, not go check on my mom, not be around her, just in case, and definitely run from it. I had the urge to to just you know, run away basically. And I just, I, I did spend a lot of time thinking about how as soon as I graduated high school, I would, I would leave and go as far away as I could. 
Um, but I don't know how else I would have coped aside from just being anxious and then not being anxious and then being anxious. But I was certainly able to, um, to stop thinking about her during the day. Like I, I would have a lot of fun with my friends. I had a lot of fun at school, that kind of thing, sports, job, boyfriends. Um, and in that way, I think that's what I meant when I said, like, I was, I'm more anxious now because now it's, it's like an OCD thing. It's just constantly, it's a loop running in, in the back of my mind. Like, a, it's like the TV's on all the time with that one message. Back then it wasn't like that. It was more of an acute thing that would come and go. I wasn't thinking, you know, I wasn't worried. I was very joyful. It was that kind of thing. And how do you feel as you describe that? Do you have any feelings? Um, I'm kind of jealous of I mean, I'm certainly glad to to be living my own life now and to ha- not have my mom got healed eventually, r- randomly. Um, I'm glad to be on this side of that. But on the other hand, I wish I could go to back to some parts of that and, um, you know, have fun and have hope and joy. I, I used to plan a lot about, you know, what I would do after high school and how I would be creative and change the world and all this fun stuff. Uh, and how does that compare to what you think now? Now I don't have a lot of inspiration. I don't have a lot of uh, creativity. Um, I know that I know that the, that that is that's who I am. That's who I should be. I should be feeling uh, coming up with ideas and wanting to do stuff. And um, really, I'm I'm too distracted by my obsession <laughs> about my obsession and fear about is tomorrow going to be the day where we all vomit that I can't, I don't have room to kind of just be, you know, write a novel or dance or play the guitar. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate everything that you're saying there. What's coming to mind for me is that the ways that we manage anxiety aren't always, um, situationally it's not always like getting away from anxiety um in by like running away and also worry can be a way that people get um kind of do emotional avoidance from their uncertainty and so it seems like um during high school and everyday life you were able to redirect your attention away from uncertainty but when uncertainty came back um it may have been the way in which you were engaging with it mentally that was get, making your hands clammy and your stomach hurt and then giving you the desire to withdraw and get away from it. And so there's got it right now, there's got to be something maintaining your uncertainty um, for it to be so as persistent as it is. So when you think kind of out of the box about not just, you're not like literally getting away from it in the sense that you still are parenting your child um, and you're still living in your own body. Um, but in what ways might you be maintaining your your uncertainty? Um, I, I just, I have a desire to even though I'm, you know, dropping him off and at school every day and letting what what may happen happen, I still really want to prevent it and avoid um, stomach bugs. Um, like I guess sometimes I like I bought some probiotics for him, thinking that that would help 
prevent, you know, diarrhea if you got a stomach bug. Um, but on the other hand, probiotics are recommended for some children. <laughs> it's not a, it's not one of those obvious uh, things that I'm doing to prevent us all from getting sick. Um, because it's a healthy behavior, kind of. But I don't know. I honestly don't really know. Um, yeah, aside from just worrying and, and fearing it, I don't know what I'm doing to encourage it. I, I, I know that I have beliefs that are maintaining my fear. But I don't know which behaviors they're also maintaining. Can you give me an example of a belief? That I, for example, that I won't know what to do or that I will make the wrong decision, that I won't be able to handle um, the next illness. Where is, maybe, belief, where is that belief coming from? Um, I don't I think, uh, I guess the fact that I'm not a doctor, I feel like, I feel like I don't know a bunch about pediatric health and um you know how how what's normal and what when when it's okay to wait how much vomiting is okay um what you know how what's regular suffering versus a medical emergency I, I feel like I don't know the difference I mean, it sounds silly as I say that because so it, most parents aren't pediatric doctors but Yes. So it's not silly in that it is true, but it is silly, I guess you could say, in that most people have that same uncertainty, but don't worry about it all the time. Mm. So if you, when you try to redirect your attention away from your worry, what happens? Um, I just feel miserable. <laughs> Like if I get, for example, if I got a message for from the school saying, you know, Kate has a, Kate suddenly spiked a fever, um, you know, you'll have to come get him. Um, and then I, you know, send, let's say I send my husband to go get him. And then I, because I have a meeting or, or because I have to finish a file, um, if I would say, okay, I need to turn my attention back to work and not just um, flail about the kitchen crying. Um, it's, it just is so hard to concentrate. I think I would, I, I have just stared at the Excel spreadsheet and not been able to really do anything but, but worry. Um, and, you know, shake, definitely have those physical symptoms. Um, so that's, a, that's when there's a specific threat. When there's not a specific threat and all signs lead to he seems okay right now, but I just have general worry about tomorrow or the next day or the next day. Um, I've, I've been practicing noticing those, noticing those thoughts and not, not doing anything about them. I've been practicing that for, for as long as I realized that was, the, that was what I was supposed to do. Um, so I, they come into my head, I notice them and I don't do anything to make them go away. I try to go back to my work, but they still feel bad. They're still there. And does the presence of those thoughts feel like it's more likely to be true? Like, do you notice um, what I'd call like thought action fusion about that? Having the thought 
feels like it's true? Kind of. And I, I, as soon as I heard the term flood action fusion, I, I realized that I have a lot of that. I, I mean, I can very easily just imagine that my loved one's going to die and then start crying immediately. And oh, they just all of a sudden feel dead to me. Like I have a lot of thought action fusion. Um, but I don't know it. And here's the thing I was, um, what was I listening to? I was listening to a book about anxiety and, or OCD. And I think about the example patient worried that her son was, was dead on the side of the road from a car accident all day, every day. So that was her, her, content that she was struggling with and her exposure was to think on purpose my son is dead by the side of the road over and over and over and make it into a song um to the to the tune of twinkle twinkle little star and sing it until she got so bored of it and it didn't seem like a threat anymore it just seemed absurd um i listened to that and i thought okay well the chances that her son is gonna die in a car accident very low, the chances that he'll die before her are very low. Most likely she'll outlive him and he'll be okay. But my worry that my kid's going to get sick is going to happen. It's a, it's not a matter of whether it'll happen. It is. And so I am just worried for when it does. (laughs) Well, Um, it's not, it doesn't actually stop there as far as I hear it, the way that I hear it. It's my kid's going to get sick I'm not going to know what to do, then I'm going to be out of control and he'll die. Yes. Yes. I think that's the part I need to tackle. Would you like to sing about that? <laughs> I probably should. Yes. I, I think that. And so that's what I'm kind of having trouble, like thinking of what my exposure exactly should be. And that may, that maybe should be it. <laughs> Yeah, is, is to I go mean, further with it and to realize that that's that's absurd that's probably not going to happen right where it seems like initially you really did have some fears around the the feeling of being nause, nauseous and you don't so the thing that i'm looking forward to um talking to ken goodman about in the next session is the um the particular hypersensitivity to disgust that can show up with emetophobia, but that you don't seem to have. You don't seem to be particularly sensitive to the feeling of disgust, which makes you not um, anxious around vomit or the possibility of vomit. Um, So it may have been that you initially did have sensitivity to nausea, but then you already did the exposure to get through that. And so now the, the function of the fear of like, what if my child gets sick is not really about nausea or vomit. It's more about, and and I don't know what to do, and it gets out of control, and then there's catastrophic consequences because of that. Yeah. So, And did you have any feelings when you heard me say that? No, that's a good, I, I don't know, it, I, it sounds true. <laughs> okay. And so can you, actually, can you repeat after me? My son might get sick. My son might get sick. I might not know what to do. I might not know what to do. The situation might get out of control. The situation might get out of control. And he might die. And he might die. Did you have any sensations in your body while you said that? Only with the last phrase, and he might die. I felt a little 
bit out of breath, um, like a sudden kind of maybe baby whoosh, like baby whoosh. Okay, can you say that a couple more times? Uh, and he might die. And he might, he might die. Yeah, that's really sad to say. Um, a thought that just popped into my head was, I felt the same way with my puppy when I first got her. I was absolutely head over heels in love and terrified that she would die. And, um, and it's interesting. I mean, I still love her, obviously, but when I had my son, um, I sudden it was weird. I suddenly didn't care as much if she got sick because suddenly my son took priority and he became my new obsession, um, which is almost interesting because at some of my dark, darkest moments where I've just worried about my son, I've thought, you know what, I need to have another kid so that I can stop worrying about my son. <laughs> just pass the buck. <laughs> even, even in your darkest moments, you have a great sense of humor. Thank you. Um. Okay. Well, I'm actually aware of our time, but I think where we just got to is a great place to stop. So what I would suggest for homework is to do that exposure, whether you, so turning it into a song or personifying it in some way is a way to get distance from the thought. So you could do that and you can come back and sing that song to us if you'd like, but <laughs> you, you could also just say, write out and say, my son might get sick. I might not know what to do. It could get out of control and he might die. I'd suggest saying that for five to 10 minutes every evening or pick a time every day and say that to five, for five to 10 minutes, 10 being better, but five at least if you're like busy. Um, and just notice what happens in your body. So you may start to cry. You may not, not feel anything. Basically, we're targeting thought action fusion and whether you don't feel anything or you've feel like crying it's not meaningful it's just practicing thought action fusion until you desensitize that reaction oh okay um that, anything that feels yeah. helpful <laughs> i right. feel like i finally have a little plan okay yeah is anything else coming to mind that you want to try between now and our next session um i no i no i don't think so okay well then we'll look forward to hearing how it goes Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. If you felt any benefit from the show, please let us know and share it with anyone you think would also find benefit. As a disclaimer, please consult your doctor or therapist before attempting any strategy shared here. Thank you.